and welcome to a new episode of PR360. I'm your host, Brett Dyser. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. It really does help us with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. All right. This week, we're going to be talking about email efficacy, social selling platforms, LinkedIn, social media, all that fun stuff with Jonathan Balduck. He is the head of growth at Social Horsepower. He also spent his time at LinkedIn. He has been successful in this email advocacy programs with companies as well, but we're glad to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. But my first question is, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I am a tea drinker. All right. Do you have any favorite teas at all? Yeah, my current favorite is Smoky Earl Grey. Mm, I've heard of Earl Grey creme, but not smoky. It does. Does it have a little bit of a smoky taste to it? Is it actually smoky or is it just a name? Uh, well, <laughs> it smells smoky to me. So you know what? It's um, my previous favorite was Royal Earl Grey, which was at this local tea shop in Toronto. And the one that uh, that I got now uh, is like a, another level up. So I'm really happy to have it. All right. And could you explain to our listeners a little bit about what you do and kind of your, your background? I did do a brief explanation, but you can do it better than I can. Sure. Yeah. Happy to dig into it. So Jonathan Baldock and uh, I'm uh, the head of growth for Social HP, which is an employee advocacy platform. So you've got uh, employees, you want them saying good things about you. And this is the kind of platform that will allow you to do that. Basically pulls in all of the information that you want to share, whether it's thought leadership, industry news, company content, pulls it all into this one hub. And it solves the problem that I dealt with when I was at LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, I was at LinkedIn for the better part of 10 years. The final four and a half was with the LinkedIn advocacy platform called Elevate. And our biggest challenge was usage. So, which is the biggest problem with any SaaS product, you can give it to them, but will they use it? And so uh, we built some uh, do it for me functionality, which means the ones that want to use it can, but for those that think like, Hey, this is a good idea, but I'm not a marketing expert. I don't know how to choose this stuff. And also I'm too darn busy. We can do it for you. So that's basically what I represent. And, uh, and my job is to you know, bring about visibility to the organization, uh, help with the, uh, the story around advocacy, and then consult with clients on their application of it. All right. And with this, what, what have you seen businesses kind of not do very well, or even PR pros not do very well with the advocacy side of employees? Because they all want their employees, but it seems like they just don't care a lot of times what they say online. Yeah. So it depends on the business. I think there are some industries where they care greatly about what employees say. You know, if you're in financial, if you're in pharmaceutical, uh, if, if any employee, in fact, most employees are afraid to say anything because uh, if they share the wrong thing, there could be some serious repercussions. And then there are organizations that just really haven't taken advantage of it. And, uh, and I see this kind of a tool as the great equalizer. Meaning if I give you a quick comparison, if you've got a company that has a thousand employees and they're in the same space, the same market, they're trying to sell their products against a company that has 50,000 employees, they're going to seem a lot smaller socially. They're not going to be well represented. And at LinkedIn, we used to be able to calculate something called share of voice, which means that uh, if you look at a particular topic and you hear, and you sort of look at all the conversations that are happening about that topic online, and then you could say, Hey, what percentage of those conversations are you involved with? That would be your share of voice. So if there's a hundred conversations, you have one of them, 
you've got a 1% share of voice. Well, you know, big companies are obviously going to have a much bigger share percentage or share of voice than a small company. But if the big company isn't utilizing their employees for advocacy and the small company is, a company of 1,000 people could compete very, very well against a company with 50,000 people. So that's, that's how it's the great equalizer. And the fact that most platforms, all social platforms, that is, they want you to advertise with them and they want you to advertise often and always. And so that's evergreen marketing. And so basically they'll say, who are your target audiences? What's important? And then they'll come up with the pitch like, hey, rather than doing a campaign here or there, why don't you just throw a bunch of money at us kind of endlessly and we'll flip the switch on. You'll have it always on target. And the companies that have those deep pockets, they can do it, but there's not a lot of companies that can. Whereas a little company You've got to be very, very strategic about when you advertise, what you advertise, and what you put out there. Yet your employees, they're connected to your customers, and they're connected to your prospects. And so if you think about it from a social selling perspective, if you've got your employees disseminating all this high-quality information, and it's having an effect in their ecosphere, meaning your existing clients and the clients you're selling into, you have an evergreen social channel, but you only pay once for it per year, and it's it pales in comparison to the cost of running ads constantly. So it's a form, it's an advertising channel, just most people aren't utilizing it. And then the ones that do, they typically don't do it very well. And that's primarily because it's just really, really difficult to convince people to log in and do it all the time, which is why we have that do it for me functionality. Mm -hmm. So how do you, let's say PR people convince the higher ups to actually do this type of a thing. Cause maybe the PR people want to do it, but they just don't have yep. the time or they just don't have the budget. Yeah. So a lot of times this is budget that comes out of another bucket. So for example, like if you ask an organization, like a PR team, you know, what are you guys spending on these kinds of ad buys, et cetera. And let's say they have a few hundred grand that they're, they're putting towards uh, ad spend. And um, what we can do is we can give them the math where we can basically say, hey, look, you know what, if you share content for your employees, your average cost per click on these kinds of platforms, for example, like LinkedIn, a low average cost per click would be $3, which means if you pay $10,000, you're going to get somewhere around 3,000 clicks. And so what we can do is we can show you if you roll it out to a certain number of employees and they share X many times over the course of a year and they average however many clicks per share. We can then get a total number of clicks times by what you on average pay on those platforms. And we can give you what's called an earned media value. Something that you would be, if you ran those campaigns as ads and targeted campaigns, uh, you would spend a certain amount of money, whereas this kind of platform, you would spend less. And generally the math is 50 times less. So if you were going to spend 20K on, a, on an advocacy platform you're saving several hundred thousand dollars or in upwards of a million, depending on the, the amount of earned media value that you generate. So usually that's the pitch, sorry. And then lastly, you, you'd mentioned time. So they can be very time consuming because you've got a, it's a tool, you've got to roll it out, you've got to train people, et cetera, et cetera. The good news is these are getting easier to roll out. So large organizations can roll it out really in just about three meetings, one to train trainers, one for the early adopters, and then another one for the masses. And then the other benefit with this kind of a tool is that because it has do it for me functionality, then what it allows administrators to do is basically scale out those communications. If we've got a press release that we want everyone to share, I can actually just grab it and drop it on everyone's calendar, put in different images, put in different messages, depending on the platform, 
and not have everyone share it at once, maybe share it over the course of a week or two weeks as it hits the different platforms. And uh, so we get all the benefits of running campaigns, putting media out there. The difference is that I can do it literally within just a couple of clicks. Mm -hmm. And is there other social media platforms better than this than let's say is Facebook better? Is LinkedIn better? Is Twitter better at this? Or just does it depend on the industry? I think it depends on who you're targeting. So my experience is mostly, I'm most familiar with LinkedIn. I worked there for a number of years. The other platforms are great and it really just depends on who you're targeting. You're, for example, in the cosmetics industry, LinkedIn may not be, if you're looking for actual buyers, like actual consumers, Facebook, Instagram, and perhaps Twitter could drive that. Whereas if you're doing a little bit more on the B2B side, meaning you're trying to land new corporate clients, et cetera, then LinkedIn tends to be the, uh, like the, the golden jewel of, of those social channels. Gotcha. And what are some strategies if you're like, say a B2B company to do use this type of advocacy? Is it to rely more on just your employees sharing it? Is it to rely more on just the actual strategy of what your content you're going to do to actually do that? Is it to like send random messages on LinkedIn, which I don't really like as much? What is it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so first off, employees are sharing the content. So it's a story. So it could be like the great work we're doing as an organization in the community. We're donating money to a charity. We're doing a, a food drive. It could be things like that around the just corporate reputation. It could be thought leadership from executives or individual employees or, or subject matter experts, et cetera. It could be products. It could be business deals that you guys are doing, et cetera. So those are the kinds of stories. We had a ratio that we recommended at LinkedIn, which was called three, two, one. And that means if you're going to share six stories, three stories would be thought leadership, two stories would be industry related, and then one story would be about your company. Because your employees don't want to be a blowhorn. Like they don't want to just be like, oh yeah, and then this product and that product. And all I'm doing is just sharing stuff about our products and services. All they'll feel is just like, you know, everyone's pitching and they don't want to feel like that. So if they're, you've got a, a proud base of employees working at your company, they want to say good things, but they also want to sound smart. They want to look smart. So if you're giving them thought leadership, that allows them to do that. Maybe they're sharing something, five best practices on whatever that subject is that's sort of related to their industry. Those kinds of things get a lot of engagement and their networks really appreciate you sharing them out. It could be valuable information about the industry, you know, what's happening, what's changing, how it's evolving, that their customers or prospects would really appreciate. So those are the stories that, uh, that employees really enjoy sharing. And I think it's that kind of messaging, letting employees know this is the kind of content that we're going to put in front of you. Feel free to log in and share it yourself. And then if you, if you want, we'll just take care of it for you. We'll share it for you, the right cadence. So we're not oversharing. It's not like we're sharing five times a day. You can share just a couple of times a month, but it's going from no opportunity to a huge amount of opportunities, really the, the, the deal here. Because the average person, again, if I just reference LinkedIn, the average person on LinkedIn has 800 connections. So if you've got a, a company, 100 employees, and so you now have you know, 800 people times 100, you've got 80,000 reach. Your company page, if you have 100 employees, has probably got a less than 1,000 followers. Maybe it's got 2,000 followers. So which means if you do a company page update, 2,000 people will see it. But if your employees share it out, 80,000 people are going to see it. Well, I'd much rather have that kind of reach, get it in front of those people. And then the other piece would be, uh, Brett, if you were trying to sell me something and I was working at LinkedIn at the time, 
and you get me to like, comment, or reshare on something that I really appreciated, that means everyone that I'm connected to will see that update because I've liked it publicly. So now it shows up in all of their news feeds. Well, if you're selling into LinkedIn, first off, 350 people at LinkedIn now have seen it because I have a whole bunch of connections there. And then the second thing is, if I'm part of that buying group, that that audience, the decision-making group, there could be 10 of us in that decision-making group. Well, if I like it, then I'm definitely connected to everybody else that's in the buying and decision-making group. So now your message is now in front of everyone, all of those buyers at that company. And that's the, you've got that sort of top of the funnel visibility and you can slowly but surely tell a story over time that works people down that sales funnel. And to run campaigns to do that, you really have to be able to, to have a lot of money. You have to have deep pockets to be able to do that effectively if you're going to be paying for ads. Whereas if you're doing it through your employee base, you've got this channel that's always available and it's always on. So I can just perfectly curate the right amount of stories and I'm slowly working down that visibility around, hey, what's that, you know, I've never heard of this company to a few months later, they're on the top of my list. If we're going to make a decision on this kind of product or service, they're definitely at the table and I want to have a conversation with them. So the magic thing is how do you get employees to actually share this stuff? Cause you'd be like, Hey guys, we got all this stuff. You should really share it. But how do you get that extra action? Because it's almost like mm -hmm. getting reviews. It's very difficult. Very difficult. So the best I've ever seen over like a long term was one particular client and they actually had 10,000 employees on and everything we suggested they did and they were remarkable and they were able to achieve 35% usage, which is somewhat abominable. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, 10,000 employees, 3,500 people are sharing. And the good news is it was driving like tons of value, which is amazing. The downside is when you go to renew, they would say, hey, so we paid for 10,000, only 3,500 are using it. Instead of paying for 10,000 next year, we're going to drop it down to 5,000. We're going to cut out 5,000. We're going to add in another 1,500. And the other part of the conversation is they would say, there's this huge missed opportunity. We had another 6,500 people on that all saw the value in signing up for it, but they just couldn't be bothered to log in and use it. So they all had 800, uh, you know, on average 800 connections each. So there's, you know, millions of people we could have been reaching this huge missed opportunity. And so uh, this is, it's the true problem with any SaaS product. Can you get people to log in? And with most companies, especially if they have something like single sign-on, like if they're using Okta, when you log into those tools, you, you, you might see 50 apps. Some big companies, you might have access to 200 different apps. How many of those are you going to be using? Literally your full-time job could just be opening and closing apps, just checking out what they do and trying to figure out, you know, how I should be using this for work. Most people want to use the bare minimum of tools and services in order to be able to be effective for their job. It's like sharing a Google doc and then putting it in another file and then downloading it and then uploading it. Like, where are we storing this stuff? Like, I, I can't even figure out where it is. So that is definitely the problem with SaaS products. And that's that last you know, piece of the story, which is the fact that we built a do it for me functionality, which is the employee raises her hand and says, this sounds fantastic. Hey, thanks Brett for making me aware that we have this tool. Wow, we've got thought leadership. Wow, we've got industry news. Wow, this is all super cool. And maybe I'll log in every now and again and check it out, but I'm not going in here once a week and figuring out a good story for me to share. So why don't I just let you guys who are the experts, whether it's the comms team or the marketing team or depending on what kind of measurable outcomes the company's looking for, why don't you guys do it? You guys know what to share. 
You guys have the training. You guys are choosing the stories and making them available. Why don't you drop it out for me? If you think it should go to LinkedIn, put it on LinkedIn. I'll connect my Twitter. Great. Send it to my Twitter account. But if it's done that way and the employee understands that, hey, look, this is, this is how often we're going to be sharing on your behalf. This is the kind of messaging that we're going to be putting out. Most employees will raise their hand and we've got functionality that they can just like set it and forget it and it'll just happen automatically. Or we can set it so that they'll build the perfect sharing cadence of, of information. And then you just get a notification saying, hey, this is set to go out for you. Do you want to approve it? And then you just get an email and it just says, hey, this is set to go tomorrow. You can literally hit approve or you can hit edit and then you can go in and you can modify it to make it your own. But it literally arrives. It's like dinner's just being served up at the table and it's nice and easy. So that's the difference maker of, can you convince people, you know, you can show them the water, but can you get them to drink? And, uh, and the answer is most times you can't. And in this particular case, we can. Gotcha. And does it seem this is even more important now since of everything that's been going on the past year? Is it more important for the digital selling program for employees? Is it more important for that type of thing? to happen because uh, everybody's staying from home. No one's really going out as much. Well, more people are going out more often, but not as much as previously. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the usage on platforms like LinkedIn and other social channels has skyrocketed and you can see that, you know, in relation to their stock price. <clears throat> so, you know, they're getting billions more sessions and a session means like, you know, you log in and you start messing around on it. They're getting billions more sessions. So you have this opportunity and you've got uh, an opportunity to control the message, manage your brand reputation, be able to recruit, sell, and market to a, an audience that matters to you. And they're more engaged on that platform than they have ever been. You know, they're at home and they're taking Zoom calls and they're tired of being on Zoom calls. So then they flip on LinkedIn and, you know, they they've, you know, find an interesting story and they read about that and they're, you know, connecting with people and they're spending more time on these kinds of platforms. So uh, the opportunity hasn't gotten any better. The other thing is that the reality is, you know, nobody's going for face-to-face -face meetings anymore. So your sales reps are, are basically doing everything over Zoom. Well, if you can humanize your sales reps more, make them more approachable online so that, you know, if, if after 10 stories I'm connected to you and I see you're sharing things that I think are really valuable and thoughtful and, and you're seen as an industry expert, well, I'm much more likely to, you know, respond to your message about connecting or, uh, you know, well, not necessarily connecting because you'll be sharing it, you'll be within the network. But even if you're second degree and you're not even connected, you'll be open to connecting. But the, uh, the net of it is that you're much more likely to take those meetings, much more likely to have those conversations because you're getting a sense of, you know, what the person represents and, and the brand behind them. Gotcha. And is there any contingencies or PR people should be aware that things can go wrong and you could share the wrong things? So what are some things to actually limit the Whoops, we shared it, but we shared it at the wrong time. Right. That's actually a great question. And it's a good segue into some functionality. So first off, there's greater risk if you don't have this kind of a platform. Because there's the holy shit, my employees did what? If you're regulated, you're very much at risk. But the reality is you want employees to be able to share things that are going to provide value to them and the organization. So by providing them a platform like this, where everything is curated and delivered and served up, it's ideal because then at least if they go in and they share it, it's already been approved. So that's note one. And then there's best practices around their comments and how they position things. But usually that's pretty straightforward and most people get that easily. 
But what you alluded to, which is the, the whoops-a-daisy kind of, oh my gosh, this went out and there's an error in it, or it maybe like something shifts in the market and all of a sudden we sound tone deaf and that went out two days ago and, and we would really look bad if this is out. So these kinds of platforms, it's dangerous if you share it and it goes out onto a thousand people's social channels. Um, so we actually built some functionality, which is called emergency delete. And with that emergency delete, I can not only go in and delete it so that no more employees can share it, but I can actually go in and delete it and it'll delete it off every employee's social channel that it was shared to through this tool. If you populated this on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook across a thousand employees, you can literally hit emergency delete and it'll rip it off every single platform as if it never existed. And then if you correct it, adjust the post and then re-deliver it and repopulate it out, you can do that. But at least you've got that protection because that is scary when it happens. It doesn't happen every day. It's the, oh my God, this just happened. What do we do? And, and we have a solution for that. Well, yeah, it's good that you actually have emergency delete because if you didn't, telling people that they have to delete a post that they have to go find is probably the <laughs> yeah. hardest thing to actually get people to actually do. It, it could be hours and hours and hours of emails and following up. And did you put, take that down? I can still see the post and what's going on. So yeah, that could be, it could be a scary situation for sure. And speaking of just Zoom calls and everybody working from home, what do you see the future of this type of way of advertising, but not spending as much money on advertisement as regular social ads. Because social ads now are really expensive. They used to be pretty cheap. Yeah. Now they're just ridiculously expensive nowadays. So do you see it happening or do you see it working better and going to continue to work better throughout the years because of just people looking at the return on investment and going, well, this is actually better than us actually spending a thousand dollars on LinkedIn and, and hopefully trying to get a better yeah. return on investment that way. Yeah. So I think what is definitely going to get better and, and what we're definitely improving on is a couple of things is the measurement side, right? So what happens after they click on the story? Did they go to our website? Did they click on our pricing page? Are they downloading our white papers? And then who are they? And how do we tell the sales rep, such and so you're connected to just literally visited our pricing page. Maybe you should give them a call and book that, book that sales call. So it's about, are we, if we do this, are we making money? Are we converting some business? So we're actually launching some functionality uh, around that, which is called lead recon. We'll be able to tell you people from these companies visited these pages on your website from your employee social shares. And then you can circle back with those employees and say, hey, we have this many people that visited example from Apple. And uh, can you guys check and see if you have connections? because they visit our pricing page, maybe it's time to, to book that meeting. So that's one side, which is the measurement side. And we're and every day we're getting better and we're, we're proving that out. The other piece though, is around intent, buyer intent. So, you know, are they exhibiting, you know, not are you like, hey, did you close a deal? And did we register it in whatever Salesforce or Dynamics 365, whatever CRM you're using? And did we attribute that back to the, to the lead and where it came from? That dotted line is getting better. Can we build out the story around buyer intent? And I kind of alluded to it, for example, like, hey, people from Apple visiting the page, it's what technologies are going to be implemented. And there's more and more that are coming up every single day so that that way we can understand who's visiting our site and, and how serious are they? And then what behaviors are they exhibiting, for example, uh, elsewhere in the web in order to clearly understand how close to buying are they? And so it's evolving. I would say if we have this conversation a year from now, 
it would likely be quite different because technology is just evolving so quickly. And then if we had this conversation 10 years from now, I think we, it would be a, a completely different thing. We'd probably be new platforms that, uh, that have taken hold and, and new ways to reach people that people are embracing and, and accepting. But at the moment, I would say this is around proving out the ROI on deals closed, if that's focused or hires made or you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then the other side would be um, identifying and understanding who those buyers are and, and how they're behaving. Gotcha. And which, well, actually, which social media do you prefer when doing this? Would Do you prefer LinkedIn or do you prefer Twitter on doing this? Because I know each one of them is different and LinkedIn still has a better reach than most of the other ones nowadays. So do yep. you try to push people into doing more LinkedIn posts than Twitter and Facebook or is it once again, just by industry by itself? I'd say it's industry specific. If you're asking me personally, you know, what, what do I do? I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about LinkedIn, but I, I worked there for a long time, so I'm biased. And I think it's a really fantastic platform. A lot of great people that are working there and, and they've got great products and services. It's just, as you suggested a few minutes ago, it's just getting more expensive, right? Everything just keeps getting more and more and more expensive. That's really the, the story here is, is how can you, in a smart way, drive tremendous amounts of value from these kinds of platforms with the least amount of dollars spent or the least amount of input. And uh, so that's my focus is, is trying to drive that value for clients. How do we make that kind of a difference where instead of spending a million dollars, they're driving many millions of dollars value, but they're only putting in tens of thousands rather than some crazy astronomical number. As I mentioned towards the beginning of the conversation, how do we make that how do we make it a great equalizer? But the platforms, it's not, not platform specific. We're in this kind of a tool is platform agnostic, which is depending on your business, who's your target audience. I will say that the vast majority of my clients, LinkedIn has been the best for results, but I'm not dealing with pizzerias, right? I'm not dealing with small companies that are selling products on Amazon. We're dealing with organizations that are landing B2B clients. So yeah, but it's applicable to, to all of them. Mm -hmm. And fun question for you. Yep. Since you worked at LinkedIn, what feature would you like LinkedIn to have that it doesn't already have? I think the, the thing that I would enjoy the most is the easy like email transition. So what happens is you're communicating on LinkedIn through a LinkedIn messenger, and then you want to take that conversation over to email. And you literally have to say like, hey, can you, what's your email address? And then, okay, so I'm going to be, and then when you send the email, you have to feel like you almost have to start over like, Hey, by the way, remember we had this conversation on LinkedIn and X, Y, Z. I think there should be a much easier transition where you basically say, okay, cool. Let's just take this on an email and you just hit the email button and it just opens up the window, pulls in your conversation and it just carries over. And I think that's like a really nice little transition because Although LinkedIn's a great platform and I spend a ton of time on it, we live in email. And so uh, moving your, your sales cycles, your sales conversations into that is, is a, good, a good way to do it. Mm. Interesting. That's my suggestion for what I think would be the easy one. Mm. And any final thoughts for our listeners? Evaluate what opportunities you have in front of you. You've got to prioritize how you spend your time and spend your money. If, uh, if increasing your sales is, is something that's a, a you know, topic of interest and, and for most companies it is. Uh, conversations around uh, advocacy, if you're not familiar with it, you should get familiar with it. And I'm not saying social HP is the only platform out there. There's lots. I think it's sort of the next generation. 
at least have a look at the space because uh, if you're unfamiliar with it or if you haven't yet, or if you've done it and it didn't go well, uh, reinvestigate it because uh, it's there's a lot of value to be had here and uh, and it's getting easier to drive that value. All right. Thank you, John, for joining PR360. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys. Stay safe. Get some social selling going on there. And see you next week. Later.